Hello and welcome to Fulham Focus, the new podcast taking a look at the comings, goings and occasionally bizarre happenings at our beloved Fulham Football Club. My name is Morgan Calton and I'm delighted to take my place as host of the show and will be joined by various guests through the course of the season. This week we'll be looking back at an improved November, which saw the Whites record two wins and a draw from four games following the winless October, and which also included that nine-goal thriller up at Bramwell Lane, as well as that slightly more unusual clean sheet and home win. Unfortunately, December didn't start so brightly, where a Dennis Adoy red card at Griffin Park compounded a miserable day to kick off the month that's supposed to be full of joy and goodwill. Joining me on this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Fulham Supporters Trust board member Mike Gregg to help dissect all that's been happening, as well as to discuss the recent Mickey Adams event that took place at Craven Cottage. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Yeah, hi there. Um, looking, looking forward to doing the show and I've uh, uh, been joking with uh, Danny, who's on, you know, who helps run this website and uh, the podcast that uh, I'm on loan from Cottage Talk for this show. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we took, I, know, I know Russ, who runs Cottage Talk, uh, is very impressed with everything you guys are doing and more than welcome to come along and uh, review this last month. Fantastic. And uh, unlike some of Slab's loan signings, we will actually be letting you have an appearance, which is great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've not been sent away with uh, the the uh, kids' teams to uh, kick a ball against a wall or anything like that. Yeah, we've got so, the yeah, youth podcast coming up later, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm um, looking forward so... to doing it anyway, yeah. Brilliant. Well, let's kick off. It's, um, so let's uh, look back at November. Um, obviously, we came off the back of a winless October. And um, we started the month off uh, on a poor sort of Friday night up at Wolves. To be fair, you know, they're a fantastic side at the moment. Um, and we sort of came out with a two lost. Um, I don't know, were you up there for that one? No, um, I'd actually, I was planning to go uh, when it was a Saturday game, but I'd actually... Uh... I was actually sat in a theatre while that game was going on, so my phone uh, switched <laughs> off. But I, I must admit, the next day I did watch the full replay, and uh, I thought at times we we didn't play that bad. But uh, you know, two goals in the first half pretty much killed the game for us. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, um, having been at Wolves the last few years, <laughs> uh, it's not a lucky hunting ground for us. So it was disappointing. And uh, especially, you know, just continued the, ba- the bad run we'd had in October. And uh, you were hoping we were going to push on at the beginning of November, but not to be. And, uh, you know, Wolves are, Wolves are doing really, you know, really well this season. They've spent quite a bit of money and, uh, you know, they're reaping the, the rewards as well. That, yeah, they played some very entertaining football, which, you know, we... We're used to playing ourselves. I don't think. I think it was a bit of a shock to the system to actually sort of come up against a team that sort of plays similar uh, in a similar style to us. Um, and you know, sort of, of course, the two sort of two goals were bad, sort of you know, bad headers. I think um, you know, which aren't great to yeah. concede, and we just didn't seem to have enough ideas. I think going forward to really sort of break them down. But you know, it wasn't a great way to start the month. We had been on a bad run. They were full of confidence, and so you know, sort of as we went into the derby game you know, another home home game trying to sort of change the run um, that we'd had. And it was like, okay, what are we going to get? And we ended up with another draw uh, with our favourite score, uh, score of the season, one all. Which, again, wasn't particularly inspiring. But, you know, do you have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I found, well, actually, I mean, I, I did think we were, were the better side. And... Um, you know, it started that sort of mini little run we had. I mean, it was disappointing we couldn't get get a winner in the end. Um, I, if I remember rightly, I thought it was Nor- one of Norwood's best appearances so far, and it sort of you know kicked him into form for the next few mm. games. Um, pleasing for that game was Kamara, his his little cameo for the last twenty five thirty minutes, and uh, it was nice to see Del Toro get on as well. But uh, yeah, it was. Um, I suppose I remember leading up to the game. There was, you know, there was a feeling we were going to lose it. Fulham fans, our confidence wasn't high, nor was the team. But um, you know, looking at it, one-one, considering how they're doing, is um, you know a decent result, if not the uh, the three points we we wanted. But um, you know, sort of uh, ended that sort of you know Bristol City and Wolves run of two defeats, and uh, you know set us up for. Uh, 
Sheffield in a week, really. Uh, tough trip yeah, away. Yeah, and I so. think when you have been on a sort of losing run, to actually sort of get anything from a game and actually play well as well, um, it just does add sort of, you know, boosts a bit of confidence. As you said, you know, Kamara came on with his sort of, you know, regular cameo. And it's kind of, it is that sort of thing. He's kind of, he is coming on for these cameos, but when he does start, he doesn't look sort of to be able to sort of do it. But he does, he's great for sort of like, you know, hassling those sort of slightly tired championship centre-backs. So maybe that is his best best way to sort of operate. Um, although I'm pretty sure that he would sort of disagree. I'm sure he wants to be on from the uh, from the start, really. I, but, I totally agree but, with you there. I mean, I'm, I, I, Kamara for me is 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 uh, the 30 minutes, if you like, even you know, even 40 minutes or just the whole of the second half. When he does start, I'm I'm never that impressed. A little bit the same with Cabano. I'm never that impressed when he starts. But I think. Given his rawness and his pace, yeah, he's definitely tired defenders. That's when he should be coming on. And, um, you know, it's disappointing he never came on the other um, the other day as well. But uh, uh, that's know, his I role think, for know, me. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's young. He is not used to the championship. French League 2 is probably not, you know, not the same sort of standard as they're seeing here. Um, and so it's going to take him, you know, it could take him at least a season to sort of, you know, get up to the level that we'd expect from sort of this big, burly, quick striker. Um, and so hopefully, you know, as long as the sort of, he doesn't sort of lose his confidence, if he doesn't sort of, you know, get homesick or anything like that, maybe it just will take a little bit longer for him to sort of get into the run of things than it would have done if it was, if he was, you know, moving to another French side. Yeah. I mean, but, um, um He's definitely, a, I, I think he's got something. I know he was written off quite early on, but uh, for me, he's, he's a definite out-and-out striker. You know, you look at his movement, you know, people are saying about his touch and that, you know, that will improve. But um, there, there, there's a rough diamond there. Whether we can <laughs> shape it into a, you know, a quality one, I'm not sure. But um, he certainly will worth persisting with. And uh, Well, as long as, he, as, long as you know, we keep polishing, hopefully it will come out. You know, we've yeah. uh, we've got a couple of players like that, you know, sort of, and let's just, you know, hope that they sort of persist and, you know, they will come good. It's the massive hope on this. Um, but then yeah. obviously um, after that draw, we were then, you know, coming up against very confident Sheffield United side and didn't really sort of harbour much hope of getting anything from that and came out with a narrow but uh, somewhat uh, ridiculous 5-4 win. <laughs> Well, being Fulham, we did try our best to uh, to draw or even lose the game eventually, even though we were, you know, 2-1 uh, up, 4-2 uh, up, five, you know, 5-2 up. It's just a ridiculous uh, game, really. Uh, again, I wasn't able to be there. I was following it all through the, through the evening and and then um, took time out to watch it the next day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 5-4, but, I mean, we could have we could have easily... Give it a throw now, way, but then again, we could have got another one or two. But I mean, most pleasing from that game here was was Ojo, who again another player who gets a lot of criticism from fans. But actually, you know, every time he's been available, he's been picked to start a game, and uh, you know, was involved in almost everything and got two goals. And uh, and then of course, Super Ryan getting his hat trick and uh, headlines as well. But uh, yeah, it was. Um, Sheffield United, you know, I think they'd let four goals in all season at home and then we go and get five. And it just shows you that we have have the players and we have the team uh, has the ability to to score goals like it was doing last year. It's just, um, you know, more times than not this season, we're misfiring at the front and um, every game you're expecting to let a goal in, which is obviously disappointing. But uh, yeah, it was a yeah, and I, th- I think as well, one of those I wish I was there. Yeah, yeah, I think whenever you see a five-four <laughs> win, it's always one of those you want to be there. If it was a five-four loss, uh, there's you know a couple hundred people that wish they weren't. <laughs> so, I think with you know Ojo in particular, he is you know one of the players that divides opinion massively, just because you know he can occasionally look like a luxury player. Um, does he put the hard work in? Does he sort of it does his you know skills sort of really add much to the team? Um, but on this you know this occasion, you know it was his come it was his comeback game, I think, wasn't it? From uh, maybe after the derby game, um, but his comeback start. And, you know, he definitely sort of looked up for it. And, you know, to score two goals, you know, shows he does have the talent. 
whether you know he can keep that up for the rest of the season you know was it just a sort of one-off you know is sort of I wouldn't want to be so pessimistic as to say yes I've been sort of fairly I wouldn't say critical but I've sort of thought mm, maybe he isn't quite the sort of the player that you know we were expecting to get but Hopefully, you know, like anyone who sort of gets criticised, they prove you wrong. Yeah, I mean, he's. Um, I mean, we've got so many wingers, and, and wingers do have this sort of they blow hot and cold. And I suppose you hope that if one's off form, another one will, um, you know, step in. But I have heard that you know the coaches are very impressed with him, and that's why he started every game. And um, he uh, he will try the tricks, and he will learn. You know, he is young, but. Um, it's a, you know, Kanovic has shown a lot of faith in him every time, as I say, he, start, he starts when he's available. So uh, we'd better get used to Do that. Do you think he was one of these players that Kanovic actually wanted? I think I think it's certainly, you know, having they've seen him in training and, uh, yeah, he's put him straight in, hasn't he? And uh, uh, to start every game. And then we're seeing it with other players who are either in or out or have totally disappeared. I mean, there's no doubt Kanovic... I don't want to say he has a, a chip or on his shoulder or anything like that, but certainly if you are not in his good books, you are a long way away from the team. But, you know, then again, on Saturday, we saw that Molo and Graham got themselves into the A-team. So uh, maybe there is still routes for some of those players to find themselves in, in the team. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we could talk about the transfer window and who yeah. likes and who he doesn't like for quite, you know, on a completely... Another show. I think maybe I think maybe some of these players just need to sort of demand his respect. You know, they sort of they, they come in and he thinks, well, well, I was forced. This player was forced upon me, but if he goes out and shows me that he's keen to play, like you know, Jordan Graham's gone to the under twenty three, scored a couple of goals. You know, and he's looked good. Molo as well. You know, I'm not you know not quite sure how he's played in those, but he's obviously sort of you know been shown to sort of or been seen to sort of been doing enough to sort of warrant a place on the bench again. Um, you know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not so much that he holds a grudge. He just doesn't think they're good enough. And then sort of if they go out and earn the place and they'll get it. Yeah, I mean, they have to put in the, the hard yards, don't they? I mean, I, 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 you've only got to look back at Cabano last year. This time last year, Cabano, many of us were saying, God, what a waste he is. You know, he's not doing mm. anything. Goes away to the African Cup, comes back, and he's a different player for that running uh, second half of last season. So uh, it can also be a, just about settling in not only in a different country, but in a different town, you know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, London with all its uh, bright bright lights is a bit of a cliche, but uh, it is a different place to live from, you know, a lot of these places. Uh, the, yeah. the, these um, players have been in, you know, just in England, really. But uh, so uh, if I'm holding on to anything, it's, the fact is Jukanovic does seem to be a second half of the season manager and... Uh, Hopefully a lot of these players, once they've got used to his style and what he really wants, and he finds out his the, the core that he wants to deal with, which we can talk about again, if you like, later, which is I'm convinced he doesn't really like a, a big squad. I think he, he, he prefers like a hardcore 19, 20 players, and he doesn't want to go beyond that. And, and a lot of his team lineups at the moment is maybe because he has too many options in some cases. So... Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, possibly. I mean, it's sort of like you, he kind of, you know, he's so adamant that he needs sort of the right sort of transfers and stuff like that. Maybe they are just throwing too many of the wrong transfers at him. But you know, if he's get, if he's given sort of you know five signings that he actually wants, then maybe that's what makes him happy. Um, I'm not quite sure he's really ever smiled, but you know, something must make him happy. You'd like um, to think so, wouldn't you? But uh, yeah, um, it's um, yeah, it's it's a difficult one. But I mean, there's a few of the players there that uh, aren't performing. And, and that's the main thing at the moment. And moving on to the last game of the month, which was the, let's call it a surprising clean sheet and win at home, which was, you know, against a sort of not particularly inspiring Millwall team. But, you know, a win in a clean sheet is a win in a clean sheet, even if it was just a penalty. But, you know, it was a solid, you know, sort of obviously slightly nerve wracking sort of the last sort of good half of the second half. But at the same time, it showed character to sort of come out of a game with a half fought one nil win, which is something we haven't done for a good long time. <laughs> it was the ultimate sort of win ugly, wasn't it? I mean, uh, yeah, like I say, virtually an injury time penalty. And then, you know, we scrambled around the second half. We weren't the better side in the second half. I wouldn't say Millwall really tested us too much. Um, but 
you know, the last 10 minutes when uh, Jo came on and we were playing with nine at the back, probably nine or ten <laughs> at the back. And, uh, you know, it was just them pumping balls in. And then, and to be fair, we, we dealt with most of that. So, uh, you know, that was good. And so, so in the space of a week, we've, you know, a handful of days, we've gone away, you know, high scoring game, but we did score five. Yes, we lit in four. And then the opposite end, we've, we battled away with an, an ugly old one nil win. And, uh, you know, Norwood at least looks like he can take a penalty, which is good. Yep, which is <laughs> novel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're not, you know, we're not used, we're not used to that, and then we're not used to seeing clean sheets. But uh, yeah, there's no doubt. Second half, we were, oh god, we're going to concede, and you can just see it happening, see it happening, and you know, it it, it didn't, and uh, it it gave us hope for the next game. You know, another derby, and uh, you know. Well, we're talking. Well, we'll come in, second, we'll come into that in a second. I yeah. think you know the the Millwall game. It was very much sort of um, you know the problem is some of the players in the past have their heads have dropped because they can hear the fans sort of going, "Oh God, we're about to," you know, the sort of the groans that sort of you know the slightly odd sort of uh, badly placed pass or whatever like that. And you know, it must affect their confidence. I know they're sort of talented professionals, and that shouldn't, but you know, they're human as well. So the fact that they despite the occasional sort of like, oh God, what's going to happen now? The the players were sort of like, you know, they held they held firm and they did very well. I'm sure Jallo, you know, despite his questionable, I don't want to say talent because that's a bit harsh, but his uh, credentials for being a championship defender came on and sort of did his job. And that's all you, you know, can ask from it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Um... It's a shame that some of these players are tainted even before they've kicked a, kicked a ball. I mean, he played in a couple of the uh, cup games earlier in the season. I thought he did okay, you know, not spectacular. I mean, I thought Wickham, um, he was one of the better players. Uh, and certainly, yeah, Sean Maddell, who he was next to. Um, is he good enough for the championship? I don't know. We've seen 10 minutes of him and he, he made one foul, but, it's, um, you know, a couple of good headers away. And, you know, he did a job, which... Um, you know, and, and who says we? You know, we could have seen him on Saturday, but we never. But there was also you're talking about the booing. I'm, I'm, I was very disappointed at the Millwall game in the first half when, you know, players like Johansson and uh, and Norwood, who was having a decent game, you know, they were trying passes, maybe quick, too quick sometimes, and they weren't working. And certainly around me in the Johnny Haynes stand, you'd, you'd hear some boos. And then of course we had the whole of the game, pretty much the button issue, where fans. Um, majority I believe it was a majority of fans just decided no we've had enough of this kicking the ball out passing it around at the back just get rid of it and so you're booing a, a goalkeeper who as Jukanovic said the other day it's his his orders that you know he's he's to roll the ball out or kick the ball out to you know the first line of defense or midfielders who come available so um, I thought it was very harsh and even at half time there were some boos and I, I think you know, something after the game, you know, I thought Button was very hard done by in that game. And it led to him making mistakes because he's mm. in two minds what to do. And uh, so, yeah, I was very disappointed with Fulham fans on that day. I, I think in the sort of the case of Button, you know, he's been, you know, he's been roundly criticised for the best part of his Fulham career. You know, he's sort of, he's come into this season, he's actually performed a lot better. Um, I think there just seems to be some sort of ingrained sort of animosity towards him. Yeah, okay, fair enough. He wasn't particularly good last season. Bettinelli came in, did a decent job. But, you know, I just, I personally don't think Bettinelli's any better than Button. Um, and Button's given, you know, he's been given a job. Um, he's improved. Um, he's been told what to do by the manager, and you know he needs to listen to the manager. He doesn't have to listen to the fans. You know, if the manager thinks he's doing a good job, fair enough. You know, his kicking, um, you know, is thought to be woeful. But I saw a sort of a stat the other day that said he's got the best completion rate of any goalkeeper in the league. Which yeah. you know, okay, some yeah, of his passes I mean, do sort of fly here and there, but I mean, most of them, well, sixty-five percent of them, seem to be going to our players. Yeah, I mean, last year he he did make. A- mistakes but he, you know he, he made some good saves as well and we were we were doing okay but you know I was at Derby when he was absolutely atrocious and mm-hmm. the manager did the right thing you know he dropped him and Bettinelli came in and, and we had that good run which we needed um, and we qualified for the playoffs but I'm I'm tend to agree with you I mean I think the difference uh, in attributes 
between Button and uh, Bettinelli is wafer thin. I don't think, you know, you can put one in or the other. And I, I don't think it may, either of them makes us any better or any worse. They're that close as far as I'm concerned. Um, I don't think Bettinelli's distribution with his feet is any, any better. Um, you know, and I think the animosity partly towards towards Button is certainly the fact that Bettinelli is seen as um, a you know a Fulham youngster who's come through and 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 deserves more of a chance. And uh, you know, I like Bettinelli. I think he's, you know I do think he, he could become a really good goalkeeper. Um, but we go back to the manager and who he's picking. And last year he picked Button for seventy five percent, eighty percent of the season, and only when he really made a ricket did he get dropped and I, I it's looking the same here really to be honest you know he might have made a couple of uh, bad errors he made a very good save Saturday as well at one stage um, you know but uh, yeah I mean it's you can almost spin a coin and when I pick an 11 sometimes I don't you know I don't even think about the goalkeeper because it could be either one of them and it, it makes no difference really for me yeah I th- and you know sort of button after Saturday uh, which we'll move on to in just a second um, you know he didn't have a great game um, it was the game that you know he was seemingly up for because it was against his old team but obviously it didn't sort of work out as well um, will Bettinelli come in for the Birmingham game probably not the manager might show uh, might want to show faith in button um, and if he does you know sort of you know, all credit to him. I want him to sort of succeed. I think he is a talented goalkeeper. I just think maybe over the summer when we were looking for transfers, I think maybe a goalkeeper should have been the next sort of next on the list. But obviously, whoever was dealing with our transfers at the time didn't think that was the case. Okay, we should move on to the Brentford game now. Thankfully, I wasn't there. I was serving sort of to Gentleman Jim. Um, but it was, you know, 1-0 up. I thought, you know, from what it sounded like, we weren't playing that badly, conceding to Canyos sort of, you know, towards the end of the first half. And then it just seemed to fall apart in the second half. And obviously with Odoi getting sent off, you weren't coming back from that. The problem with Saturday was, yeah, first half, I thought it was a fair result um, or a fair scoreline at half time, And I thought we maybe, maybe just edged it. Um, but I mean, if we start with the lineup, when I saw the lineup. Um, uh, I was, I did tweet about what <laughs> what particular formation it could be. It could have, could have been any number, um, and I was actually, to be honest, expecting Johansson to play play left and um, probably Cabano in the middle. Mm. Uh, but it turned out to be Johansson playing in that sort of central role. False nine, and yeah. well, false nine. I mean, we we have played with that kind of formation. The difference is. When we played it last year, it was Cabano or it was Aiti or, you know, uh, uh, those kind of winger attacking type players, if it wasn't Martin. And to put an attacking midfielder in that position, uh, for me, was always questionable. And even though we did okay first half, there was a massive gap. And the centre-backs of Brentford must have been laughing. I mean, they had no one near them, really, for much of that much of that game and um, I saw what the idea was and the idea was that Ojo from the right and Cabano from the left were meant to sort of get behind their centre-backs and Johansson if you like or other midfielders were to play that ball through to him because you saw Ojo especially run sort of diagonally um, in, in behind Cabano left though but that seemed to me what the game plan was in that kind of role but the second half uh, we didn't come out um, at all and uh, you know Brentford were by far the better team and you, you had know, and get yeah sorry go on so I was going to say I mean you know prior to Brentford's um, sort of capitulation to QPR um, the week uh, the Friday before I mean you know they'd been on a good run um, you know they'd been playing some good football the fans were sort of you know saying how well they were playing you know obviously I wouldn't listen to them too much um, but they hadn't been they'd had a good spell of results whereas you know we've yes we'd won a couple of games but you know when you have a player sent off against a team that are playing well um that's always going to be difficult um especially when your heads drop when you're sort of playing a formation that may not be overly familiar with the sort of the false nine if you will 
So, you know, it was always going to be sort of very difficult to come back when you're sort of 2-1 down and then one player down. And I think, you know, the idea of having those wingers or inside forwards, um, I guess they would be sort of coming in and sort of, you know, essentially trying to confuse the fullback and the centre-back can work. But, you know, on this particular day, it just seemed to be sort of the wrong idea. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely, definitely. And I was just about to say about Adoe. I mean, he, I know he's done really well when he's, when he's played at centre back and, and, you know, he's moved all across that back line this season. Um, but he, you know, he's not the answer. He, he's all right there for a game or two. Um, but he, the main thing that happened on Saturday was we didn't start well. We allowed him to get back in the game. Um, Adari had got a yellow and then he got injured and we could see he was struggling. Um, it was at the far end from the, from the Fulham fans, but you could see he was struggling. All around me were all going, get him off, get him off, make a change. And then he made a, uh, I think he did a block and the ref had a word with him and you're, you're just saying, oh God, he's a you know, red card waiting. And we're looking to our left, we're looking at the bench and nothing's happening. You're thinking, like, you've got to make a change. It's going to happen. It's going to... And lo and behold, gets himself sent off. And that was that's bad management for me. That was bad management. And um, the change they made was that McDonald went back and and sat in sat in the uh, the back four as as centre back. And um, we we didn't really do much. We did it. We did it at the bar. Um, I think it was at two one yep. we at the bar, so we you know we did have a chance, um, but really as soon as they got the third, that was game over. Um, the subs were disappointing for me. Mm-hmm. I would have brought I'd have brought Molo on and uh, Kamara uh, and Graham. You know, you know, let's have a look at him. Let's give him. I would have changed yep. the whole three, the whole front three when it was when we still had eleven men. I would have taken Johansson off, Cabano and Ojo changed them with those three uh, just to do something different uh, to get different movement up top but um, that's not the way he went and he went for uh, okay let's say the, the he came light Torre, didn't he brought him on yeah he's a great young talent but is he the player you want to bring, sort of bring on when you're chasing a team who are clearly up for it they're 2-1 up and you know sort of why not bring on Kamara in that sort of situation yeah. where you are down, you know, you are playing these against these center backs who should be tiring by that point. Um, you know, but he went with the, the young sort of exciting option, which probably wasn't the right idea. And I don't, you know, I disagree. I don't think Molo really adds enough at the moment. I think he's too many step overs with not enough product at the end of it. But same with Jordan Graham, I definitely think he should have been given, you know, more than the four minutes when we're three, one down. So, I'm not Slav, but I can't quite see where he was sort of going with that, uh, with those substitutions. No, I agree. I, I totally. We, we, we never got the font or the sorry one. Um, with Graham, yeah. I mean, if you're going to bring him on, bring him on earlier. And, and Molo, I, yeah, I can understand that. But, you know, this is, the, this is the game where you need something different. And, and let's see, you know, if you're not being picked, mate, let's see why you're not being picked. And yeah. but. You know, he went with what he did, and uh, the game petered out, and and we were just we were just not very good. And it reminded reminded me of the game a few years ago where, you know, we just went to that ground and just rolled over, had our belly tickled, and you know, thank you very much. Let's let's just get out. Of the, here. That was the that was the three nil game, wasn't yeah. it? When we uh, yeah, when, uh, <laughs> was yeah. it three nil at half time? That yeah, that game was uh, that was great because um, the only ticket I could get was in the Brentford end. And so I'm just sitting there, sort of, as the sort of first goal goes in, it's like polite clap. Uh, second one goes in, slightly quieter, polite clap. Third goal goes in, I'm just sort of like leant back and just go, oh, for God's sake, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite calm at games, but when uh, when he scored the free header in the, in that three nil game, um, yeah, I went apoplectic. I really did. I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, it was bad. It wasn't as bad on Saturday as that game, but um, it was it was just really disappointing. And um, I do I do lay a lot of the blame on that to Jokanovic. He has to, you know, you a manager will want praise when he gets things right and they win a game. Uh, we lost, and I'm going to say his formation, his starting lineup, and his subs all contributed to, and his decision not to take a off. 
um, all contributed to that loss on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I saw the Adori tackles, you know, there was one in the first half, second, one in the second half was exactly the same, and then the one that's got them sent off was exactly the same again. It's like, well, he's obviously not got the sort of the run of this particular game, get him off, you know, while he's still on, um, and then sort of, you know, get him back in training for next week, you know, probably back on back on the bench. Um, I don't know how long Reem's got out, um, but, you know, he needs... You know, he needs a better option. I think, you know, I feel sorry for Maddle. I really like him. I think he should be sort of, if there's a short short of a centre-back, he should be in there. Um, but obviously, he's another one that's fallen foul of sort of Jekanovic's um, opinion. Yeah, I mean, Maddle is, whatever you think about him, whether you think he should be a first choice or whatever, He, you just look at the squad, he should be one of the three main choices for centre-back so he should always be in the 18, um, even, you know, even as a sub, even if you're, you're not starting him. And he should be the natural person to go in and replace either Ream or Callis when they're not available. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. I, you know, I think we all quite like Maddle. And, uh, yeah, it's been a real quick... Because the weird thing is, earlier in the season, he was captain at Wickham in that game. And yeah. so you don't give the captaincy... To, to someone you're just going to... because he was about 10 years older than any other player on the pitch. So he kind of well, thought, well, it could have been you, know, you can't yeah. have sort of it's the under-18 captain or medal. <laughs> I don't, I find it weird. Maybe he's shown a bad attitude in training. Uh, maybe he's just, whenever he's come on, he you kind of just doesn't think he's right. Maybe he's got Jallo on the bench just because he's this man mountain and he's slightly different um, if you need someone like that. Whereas medal is very similar to the style of Callas and, you know, and Adoy as well. And I guess with Adore, you've also got the option of playing him fullback. Um, so he's somewhat versatile. And when the bench is made up of, you know, wingers and midfielders and sort of, you know, a couple of strikers, you kind of don't want to have sort of too many sort of defensive options, apparently. So maybe that's reason, well, I, but I think I always, you know, he should be drafted back in. I would sort of go by the rule with subs. You should have two defensive, two midfield and two attackers. So, mm. you know, but Maddell should be, he should be good enough to be in the 18. And I mean, the, the, the rumor I was told was that he was he was going to leave at the end of the window. Uh, that all fell through. He was very disappointed he wasn't allowed to go and, and kicked up a fuss. And he's not really been seen since. And um, you know whether that's the reason, I you know I don't know. But uh, well, we we'll have to wait and see, won't we? I mean, if, I'd, if he's not going to get a look in, you expect him to leave in January at least. Yeah, I think you know a team will come in for him because they do know that he's a decent player and he will definitely do a job for a club probably in Europe. And so if he doesn't get any sort of game time between now and the window, I think it'll probably be quite early on that he'll uh, probably go off. He'll probably go out, you know, on loan with a view to a permanent or something like that. Uh, but I think, you know, unless he gets a game in the next sort of um, few matches, then his career is probably over at Fulham. So moving on, we've got Birmingham at home on Saturday. I'm not going to try and predict the lineup. Because it could be anything. I think, you know, if uh, Reem's back, I think he'll go straight back in. Otherwise, I don't know, you're obviously Fredericks, Sessignon probably going to be left back again. Um, don't think he should be, but uh, I don't know if this Rafa Suarez is going to come in or not. I don't know. He's got to, he seemed to make a couple of appearances off the bench and that was it. But I mean, have, is he injured again or is he just basically another of those players? It's just like, not sure. Uh, uh, uh. I mean, again, what I've been told is that he's not quite... He's he's fit, but he's not match fit, if you understand. So, do you remember yep. when Frederick joined? He always was dead on his feet at about 60 minutes, and that's yep. apparently one of the issues they have with Soares. Um, personally, if he's if he's ready and he can play, then he, sh- he should go in at left-back, and that allows Sessionon to go forward. Because at worst, Sessionon can go back the last half hour if that's needed so uh, you know yeah I mean it's good to have that option but you know sort of um, it's clearly sort of not his strongest position now you know he's very much you know he's adapting in the way that Bale adapted you know he started left back got the sort of the sort of the pace of the games and now he's you know very much that sort of best uh, best option as a winger so hopefully you know we'll see him play there a bit more but obviously while we don't have a left back who's fit enough we have to go with his option because he's he knows how to play it. Yeah, and um, I think, I mean, was it? he played his 50th game, wasn't he, against Sheffield United, I think it was. Yeah. And um, 
and that is all about educating him. You know, he is learning. So last year he played, you know, left back with Malone and or in front of him as well. They swapped around. This year he started more games at left back, and you know that's going to make him a better player going on. But it's clear, you know, that really now is the time for him to move into that that left wing position. So. So yeah, it should you know if Soros is around if he's fit and he can play, he should be playing there because for the best of the team, then uh, Ryan needs to be needs to be up top. And uh, yeah, I mean I expect I don't expect to change at goalkeeper. And yeah, Fredericks, Callis, and if Reem's fit, um, he should play. If he's not, I wouldn't be totally shocked to see McDonald start at centre back for Dejao. I would not be surprised. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see it because um, uh, I think McDonald's <laughs> so sort of you know, such a pivotal role in sort of like oh, that holding uh, yeah. midfield role, um, and I think if you sort of take him out, um, what do you have? Sort of uh, maybe drop your handsome back. But yeah, well, we're going to find we're going to find out, aren't we? We're going to find out yeah, Saturday if Reams not. We, we could we could predict How a lineup and it'd be six yeah. pieces, So, um, oh. but obviously it's a it's a big game. Uh, Birmingham haven't been good this season, um, you know. It would be good to sort of you know get uh, two home wins in a row. It'd be even better to get two home clean sheets in a row. Um, I guess just uh, getting through the game after sort of last Saturday was the most important thing. Yeah, I mean we got um, to, we the way I'm looking at it, we've got to now we've got three games for Christmas. That's the the halfway point, and um, you know two of those are at home. You've got to be looking to get wins in those and. We cannot be made a laughing stock and lose lose at Sunderland. <laughs> so, um, no, I think, yeah, especially with sort of uh, with the fans like they've got up there at the moment. I don't know if you saw that news report about the uh, the guy uh, dropping his trousers on one of the seats. No, I missed no, that I one. I will yeah, no. go search. I'm not going to repeat it because it was great. <laughs> oh god! But, uh, um, well, yeah. So we really got to. Because in the end, if we win on Saturday, you look at this little run we've had, which would then be three wins, a draw and a loss in the last five. And suddenly Saturday doesn't look the disaster it it, it was immediately afterwards. So it, all we can do is, um, you know, reset ourselves and uh, and try and beat and try and beat Birmingham on, on Saturday. And then, you know, Sunderland, then Barnsley and then really see where we are. On Christmas, uh, you know, at Christmas, halfway through the season, yep. and uh, you know, get ready for a, t- a tough week, <laughs> and then um, yes. and then into the new year with the, the transfer window and see where we are. But I would also say for Jakanovic, the next three games are key. Um, he really needs he needs results. I would say. I sort of you know I don't know if you've heard any murmurings at all, but my feeling is that Jakanovic won't quit. Um, I don't think the board will sack him at this particular, you know, unless there is a real danger of us getting relegated. Um, I think, you know, they gave him a new, what was it, 18 month contract contract at the beginning of the year, you know, to sack a manager when you've just given him that much and then having to pay him out um, will be, you know, not something that this particular board would want to do. Um, whereas I don't think you can eventually quit because even if he is unhappy, uh, because like most managers, they don't quit unless they're pushed because they don't get the payout. Um, so I think we could be in that situation whereby we'll get, you know, might get a win, a couple of losses, you know, a few draws, but we may not be particularly, you know, climbing the table. But as long as we're not sort of hovering above the relegation zone or in it, um, I think the manager will stay where he is unless he on himself to go. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand the arguments, you know, about managers not quitting and, and um you know, it was actually a two-year contract we gave him earlier in the year. So, you know, he's he's due to be here until the end of 2019. So, uh, it's um, I just feel that he he will need to get a, a couple of wins in those games, in those three games, because you know the club sets targets all the time. We're well behind where we should be. Absolutely. Um, I am a Yukanovich fan. I, I you know I I would not. It's not. I'm not looking to sack him at all. And Personally, you know, want him. What I want from him is his total would want his total commitment for next season as well. Because if we're coming into January, and and you said it yourself in earlier in the show, you know, if you give him signings, you know, will that make him happy? 
And if the club, you know, decides, you know, we're going to keep him and they go to him and say, look, you know, what are the three or four players you want? It's unlikely we're going to get promotion this year, so let's build for next season. Then I'd want his commitment that he's going to be here next year as well. And uh, so, yeah, no, I want, I, want him to, I want him to stay. You know, if he stays, we do well, uh, and, and that's great. But um, it's a ruthless business, and, you know, you can if it does go wrong in the next three games, I, I would be really surprised, actually, quite frankly, if he was here in the new year, because that's just the way it works out. You know, but uh, I, I don't think it's going to come to that. I think we're going to get a couple of decent results in the next three games anyway. So, uh, and then we're, you know, we're getting to January and let's see where we are. But uh, I do yeah. think we're losing ground and we haven't got much more leeway now. Um, we need to get some kind of run together. Yeah, and you know, Christmas is the perfect time to do that because obviously there are so many games. Uh, we do have a decent sized squad, which, you know, um, although Jukanovic may not like it, um, it does sort of it could benefit us in this time this time of year. Um, so hopefully, um, given that, we will be playing games against teams that have smaller squads. Um, obviously, you know, a couple of sort of couple of wins could shoot us back up the table. You know, this league's tight. You know, and that's the sort of the nature of it. Um, so you know, fingers crossed, uh, everything will start sort of uh, picking up. And yeah, starting with Birmingham. Talking about managers, uh, let's talk about last Friday and the Mickey Adams uh, special talk at the cottage. Um, I mean, I imagine it was great to see him back down there. I know he was at the game, at the Derby game, but you know how how was the uh, how was the event? Yeah, so um, yeah, it was actually it was actually last Thursday, and it was uh, the supporters oh, trust, and uh, we arranged for um, Mickey Adams to come down to the cottage and. Uh, do a question and answer evening, very similar to the McBride's event, which the the club ran with our help uh, last month as well. And uh, it was taking us back to, well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I've been around for quite a while. And in the late 80s, early 90s, we used to have a lot of uh, fans' events uh, where the man meet the manager and, and, and that kind of evening. And, and so it was good to have Mickey back. You know, it's, tw- it's 20 years and um, we'd hoped to do it closer to the Derby game, but uh, we got our diary sorted and he was able to come down. We had some of his books, which uh, sold quite well as well. And he did plenty of, you know, signing of books and, and selfies and everything else as well. But the, the main thing was the um, couple of sessions where we had, you know, question question and answers and he just spoke really, you know, 90% of his time was uh, about being at Fulham when he first joined, becoming a coach, you know, Brantford, his dealings with the chairman and the owners and uh, and then the promotion season then dealing with Mohammed and how he was sacked and <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was really interesting. And the, the thing that we all, ca- I think we all came away from, was that uh, there were a couple of technical issues as there are these type of events. So uh, he, he put the mic down at one stage. And so he's in a room with about, he's in McBride's with about 85 people in there, somewhere around that number. And, uh, you know, we've all had a few drinks. And he just started talking about the mic and he just <laughs> held the room in the palm of his hand. You could hear a pin drop. And I was, I was, I was standing right at the back of the, the room and you could hear every word he was saying. And he just came across as a leader. You know, this is why this group of players for that season and for other seasons where he's been, you know, he's, I think he's had four promotions with various teams. And, um, you know, he's a definite leader. He can he gets people to follow him. And, and that's what came across. And, and very funny as well at times and some really good stories and uh you know, it's clear that um, you know players like playing for him, and uh, yeah, it was a really good evening. It was like I say, it was uh, taking us back to the old days. And I would say the average age of the attendees was probably um, yeah into the late forties, early fifties. But uh, it was twenty years ago. But well, that uh, was, we're hoping I mean, to. Uh, Mickey Adams's first season was my first season going to watch. So oh, I sort of, right. you know, I started watching. Uh, I started going down to the cottage when I was uh, eleven, and it was the ninety-five, ninety-six season. Uh, Branford was in charge, 
uh, he got fired, obviously. And then when Mickey came in, it was just sort of like, a, you know, it was a bit of a buzz around the club. Um, and then obviously 96, 97 started. And I just remember that season, you know, I was like 12, um, 12, 13. And, but it was just, it was great fun, you know, and it was, you know, sort of the sort of good old 90s football. And you're sort of watching this and it was like, you know, it was all going well. You know, the, obviously the cottage wasn't particularly full. Uh, but you know, so we had some sort of great games there and it was always, you know, that season sort of like stuck in my memory. Um, and obviously, you know, everything around sort of uh, getting promoted, you know, sort of not winning the championship, but you know, whatever we got promoted without fine coming in, you know, with all this investment, it must've been sort of like, Oh wow, this is exciting. But at the same time, he must've known that his sort of, you know, the right on the wall for his career. Yeah. He said a story about, um, well, Mohamed Alfa Ed said uh, said to him, "Just go out and buy players, and you can pay ten thousand pound wages if you need to." And Mickey was saying, "You know, I haven't been looking at these type of players. I've been looking at, you know, the bottom division and <laughs> the division we're in now. You know, I, I I knew nothing about these kind of players, and uh, so it was a little bit out of his league. And he he probably expected the call to get to get the sack at some stage, and and then Wilkins and Keegan were." appearing in the stands and uh, it was just a matter of time but um i think one of the things that um should be remembered about adams is that uh, we've had some great years over the last 20 years you know we could moan about the last four or five but um the catalyst the real starting point for everything was mickey adams's team and uh without him muhammad alfred wouldn't want to Without promotion, he wouldn't have come along and bought the club. So, uh, you know, we, we all owe a huge debt of thanks to uh, Mickey. He brought in players which at the time may not have seemed particularly glamorous. You know, they were sort of you know, quite a free, free, uh, free transfers. I think, you know, sort of coming in from like places like Gillingham and Paul Moody. Didn't he come in from Oxford, I think, or something? Uh, you know, some, some of these players, it just seemed like sort of journeymen. But, you know, he brought them together. They, you know, they really sort of like, you know, became a tight-knit group. And, you know, at that particular time, you know, that was almost as important as, you know, having talent at that level. Some of the stuff he said on, on Thursday was that uh, Tony Pulis's Gillingham team influenced him in the way he wanted to play. And uh, that also another important thing for that season was getting the buy-in from Simon Morgan because he was so key to the group of players that he had. And, um, you know, that that was the kind of football he was going to play or he needed at that level. And uh, I don't recall it being like uh, certainly Jim or Tony Poulis style. Uh, I thought we had a bit more. More flair than that, but um, I hope it's not the memory playing tricks. But uh, you know, you could <laughs> maybe tell... was a little bit more uh, positive back in those days. Yeah, maybe, maybe just got negative as he got older. But um, yeah, so that was a kind of that was kind of what he wanted, and uh, you know, and and that led to led to that season. And it was Nick Cusack as well, going from a striker to um, oh, yeah, sweeper basically. Um, and that was Nick Cusack's idea. So there was lots of things that aligned um, along with some, uh, as he said, some bloody hard work on the training grounds in, pre- in pre-season and team bonding and everything else. So, I mean, in, in conclusion, the whole night was a, was a, it was a nostalgic night. It was a, a funny night and uh, it was good to see a lot of old, old being the word, uh, Fulham fans there who, I've seen traipsing around country following this team over the last 20, 30 years. So, um, but as I said, Adams was a, is a real leader of men, clearly. And uh, it was a great night. And, and what I'd say is that um, the Trust are going to try and get more, more players back for those kind of events. And uh, I know the club are very keen to to build up the history sort of side of things. It's something we've allowed, not we as fans, but it's something the club has allowed to sort of lapse over the last 15 years. And uh, it's good that yeah. we now have a, we now have a director on board, David Daly, uh, who is very keen on this and uh, very proactive and uh, uh, a little bit under the radar at the moment is David Daly, but he's doing an awful lot of work at the club to, uh, 
you know, build relationships with uh, ex-players and ex-managers who who uh, maybe not been treated as warmly as they should have been in the past. So uh, we're going to see a lot of improvements in that area and uh, a lot more uh, players visiting. And for example, this Saturday, um, I might be wrong, I might get the names wrong, but I think it's Stannard, uh, Scott and Marshall, uh, Peter Scott and John Marshall are all coming back for the Birmingham game and making a, a sort of half-time uh, show because they've all... Uh, played over 400 games for us. So, and it is uh, so important as well to sort of, you know, sort of revisit the sort of, you know, the heritage of the club. You know, sort of, we got sort of players who weren't sort of, you know, high pay, you know, prima donnas or anything. They played football because they loved it and they played football because they were, you know, they did have the talent to do it. And, you know, some of these, they just go by the wayside, you know, you just forget about them. They're just sort of, you know, an entry on Wikipedia. Um, and, you know, it's great just to sort of, you know, show them the appreciation that sort of, you know, their, their hard work, you know, be it 20, 30 years ago, um, was, you know, it was appreciated, you know, even still sort of, you know, in 2017 onwards. Absolutely. And they, they shouldn't, they're all part of our history. And, um, you know, those three players I mentioned on Saturday, they're, they're, they're the players I remember that, you know, they're the core players. But then you have, um, you know, once you're a Fulham player, you're a Fulham fan in some ways. You have Rob Wilson, who, who follows the team around the country as well. So he's yeah. quite happy to, you know, mix with fans and have a drink before a game as well. And uh, so um, we're always, you know, we are that family club. Um, that's not a bad word either, uh, a way to describe us. And, um, yeah, I'm really glad the club are now looking to recognise those, uh, their part in our history. And on that note, that's all we've got time for in this episode. Mike, I'd like to thank you for joining me today. Yeah, great. I really enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for giving us a chance to uh, talk about the last month and and various other subjects. And uh, yeah, hopefully be back soon. Please give us a follow on Twitter to keep up to date with the upcoming podcasts, including our special Christmas quiz edition. And also some cracking Q&As with Danny Boyd with a fantastic two-part with Kit Simons coming up soon. Hopefully on the next show, we'll be discussing a couple more wins. But remember, Fulham is our club. And the lads need our support to help pick them up after Saturday. So get behind them no matter what. Thanks for listening.